Good morning. Man, that's some pretty cool digital stuff right there. Could you imagine hearing that in 1986? We would be going, what? So whether you're uh, following along in God's Word on a mobile device or you have it in front of you, uh, we want you to be engaged in God's Word. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's not a problem. We have Bibles uh, on either side of the room on a table. Uh, If you would like to use a Bible, we would encourage you to do that. You can get up from your chair and go and get one. If you don't have a Bible, please take it as a gift from us to you. And if you just happen to forget it, uh, please use it this service and then leave it for someone else to use uh, another time. Well, welcome. My name is David Hinkle. I'm one of the pastors here, and it really is good to be gathered together in worship with you. I have a question for us to consider together. And the question that I would like for us to, to consider together is, what is the life you want with God. Now, before we take this from an individual perspective, I want you to understand that the word you there, really, I mean y'all. What do y'all want as a church community? When you think about this church body formed by God in this place, in this time, what is the life you want for this church with God? Now, I actually want some feedback from you in the room to your thought on an answer of this question. What is the life you want for this church with God? What do you want? I got all day. You don't even have to raise your hand, but I see that hand. There's a desire to grow. Don't you guys share this sense that we are not yet what we are supposed to be? We want to grow. We want to grow and, and to express fully what she said was that, uh, that we would grow deeper in the word. You guys want to understand this. To know what God's truth is. Yeah. What else? What's the life you want with God for this church? Yeah. To be a blessing for as many people as we can in his name. What else? To share the good news. Service. So far, everything you've said has been expressed by the other members of our church family throughout the services. There was a gentleman who spoke up and said he wants there to be continued mutual encouragement with each other. He then said that he had a heart attack and a stroke within the same 24-hour period of time, survived that, now he's dealing with cancer. He's over 80 years old. And he said, but I've never been alone. He goes, I want that for everyone here. Just to take a moment and to say out loud what we want really matters because as you hear these things expressed by a few really brave people, you find that they're saying the very thing that you want. You want to grow deeper with God. You want, a, you want a deeper understanding of his word. 
You want to be a blessing to others. You want to serve others. And you want to share the gospel. What we are seeking is a transformed life that leaves a godly legacy. That's what we're looking for. In the last service, uh, a gentleman said he wants his children to get it. And that they would walk with God. And that's what we get to be a part of. We are the people of God called together in his name. So we're going to look at a passage together. I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be in chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Once you get there, you can say Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesus. We're going to spend our time by walking through this passage. I'll define a couple of terms for us. And then if you're really good, we'll get into some revelation. (laughs) We'll just have to see. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. The passage says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. A couple of observations on this. Like I asked the question in the form of what do you together want in your life with God? The word you in this passage is plural. This is y'all. This is you all. Look carefully then how you, the church, walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of time because the days are evil. I'd like for you to either underline or circle the word evil. The primary meaning of this word is the idea of hardship or difficulty. It can carry the meaning of sinister or wicked, like the word evil, but its primary use is difficult. The days are difficult, and not just because of our political climate or social issues. The days are evil because it's possible For a man who has walked with God his entire life, has loved his wife faithfully, been a blessing to others, to have a heart attack and a stroke within the same 24-hour period, and come through that and survive it only to get cancer. That is messed up. But those are the times in which we live. Anything can happen to anyone at any time. And so there's a choice for the church in how we deal with that reality. One path is wise, the other unwise. So verse 17 says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18 gives us our choices. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So we have our unwise choice. The unwise choice is to numb ourselves to the reality of the times in which we live. We can move toward a substance that will ultimately control us and move us into destruction or ruin. It'll tear down relationships around us. If we take that last dance with Mary Jane, one more time to kill the pain.
it's hard sometimes to deal with the reality around us, to just check out and to engage in things that would be unhealthy for us, things that we seemingly can control, but ultimately it ruins us. And so Paul is giving instruction to the church, do not be foolish, do not be unwise, Walk in wisdom, and the answer is then to be filled with the Spirit. And then we have what follows is a series of participles. Can we get an amen for some participles? It helps us understand what be filled with the Spirit is all about. That sounds very churchy. Y'all just be filled with the Spirit. But what does it mean? Verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father and the Lord in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're going to look at these specific verses in greater detail. But here's the deal. The life that I want, the life that I want for myself and that I want for this body to experience is a life that moves me from watching to participating in worship. That would move us from watching or observing. And I know how easy it is to come into a place like this and to sit and to just simply kind of take it all in. But it's possible to be at the table but not engaged in the conversation. It's possible to come into a space, but not to be together in your heart and in your mind. Participating. Now we say that we want to move from watching to participating in worship, but what exactly do we mean by worship? Because I think often we understand that as singing or something that's related to music. And that's certainly a component. But it's not the sum total of what the idea of worship is. Really, worship is responding to who God is and what he has done. It's some form of response of who he is and what he has done for us. You can respond to God in a whole number of ways. You can sing. For others of you, you make joyful noises. You can pray. The opportunity to share with someone what God has done in your life is an act of worship, this building each other up. So worship is a response to who God is and what he's done, and we can respond in a number of ways. Now, I want to come back to this passage, and I really want to spend the rest of our time looking at what happens when we participate in worship together, because this passage shows us three results. When we participate in worship together, the first result is we give and receive encouragement. Verse 19a says that we, to be filled with the Spirit means that we're addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now granted, it would be a little strange to treat life like a musical and to simply greet one another in song. I'm so tempted. But what would, what would the psalms and hymns and spiritual songs represent for the people of God, especially in the first century. They didn't have copies of the scriptures. The everyday believer didn't have their own copy. They didn't have 
access to God's word like we have access to his word. And so the, the central truths of their faith, they would put in the form of poetry and in song so it could be easily remembered and shared. And so they were saying, express truth to one another. And there was this mutual benefit that when I share with you how God has moved in my life and you share with me how God has moved in your life, he becomes greater, our understanding of him grows deeper and we're drawn all the more into worship. See, when we participate in worship together, it's like a healthy drug. It deepens our desire and and builds an appetite for it. Just like the other unwise option will build an appetite for it. So also worshiping together, participating together. We build one another up and then it affects our relationships. Verse 21 says that we would be submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. If if if, If a defining characteristic of the church is that when we gather together, we are building one another up, then then what is built up as a result? Trust. If I know that you're for me, and that you know that I'm for you, there's a basis of trust, and then God has has created uh, relationships to function in a healthy way, and it demands submission where we consider others as more significant than ourselves. This is what's produced when the church is filled with the Spirit of God. That we would address one another with the truth of God's Word. And that we would submit to one another out of reverence for for the one who made all of this possible, Jesus Christ. So we give and receive encouragement. That's what happens when we worship together. There's another result of what happens when we participate and worship together. And this affects our relationship with with God himself. Tucked between verse 19a and verse 21, we have the second part of verse 19 and 20. Think of it like an Oreo. There's what affects us, but then the good stuff in the middle is what affects us and the Lord. Take a look at verse 19b, that well, when we participate and worship together, we connect directly with God. Verse 19b, it says that we are making and singing, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, in order for you to gain access to God, you had to come through a mediator. Someone had to stand between you and a holy God, and it was a high priest. And so for you, the common person, for me, the common person, we would have to bring our offerings, our sacrifices, and lay them before another human being. And then that human being was set apart to then go and represent you to God. There was a distance, there was a detachment from you and the living God. But when Jesus came and he gave his life for us and he he died on the cross, do you remember what tore in the temple from top to bottom? What was it? A curtain or a veil. There was a thick fabric curtain, a tapestry that hung uh, many feet in the air. 
And it tore from top to bottom when Jesus died and gave his life for us. And it was, a, it was a moment that symbolized that there was no more a separation between God and his people, that we now had access to him. You can connect directly to God without going through anyone. At any time, in any place. It says that you are able to sing and make melody to the Lord with your heart. I think we take this for granted. You have no one to stand in your way of going directly to the Lord himself. Now, I know that we can think that others have some kind of better access to God, that we can kind of view people as having some, we somehow believe that they are closer to God than we are. And that that thought actually prevents us or gets in the way of us seeking him. No one likes to feel like they're on the B team in God's family. And we feel that way because of either sin in our life or, or just our own condemning self-talk. And we forget that the ground is level at the cross. In Christ, we have received every spiritual blessing, including bold access to God's throne at any time. There's no distinction between us. Participating in worship together brings us in a direct connection with the living God. Now it says that there's giving thanks always and for everything. That thanksgiving would be the undercurrent that would define the church. Not anxiousness for the days in which we live. I know there's political tension. I know there's social challenges. I know that there are economic challenges all around us. And there can be a temptation for the church to kind of be afraid When the things of this world just lap against the shores of the mountain of God, he is unmoved by culture. We are his people, and we can remain thankful. Now, I wish that this verse said something different. I wish it said, and giving thanks always and for every good thing. But it doesn't say that. It says, in everything, give thanks. It's why our brother in Christ, Bob, who has had a stroke and has had a heart attack and is now fighting cancer, he is thankful. I know the struggles that many of you have walked through. And some of you have found that you wouldn't have changed what happened because of the discovery that you've made, knowing that God is very real And he has moved through those circumstances in your life. And you love him even deeper than you did before. You have a direct connection with God. That's what happens when we participate and worship together. We give and receive encouragement. And we connect directly with God. Now you guys have been, you've been very good. So I I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 4. Before our time in God's word together began, we sang a song called the Revelation Song. And the words that we sang are pulled directly from Revelation 4. 
It's a description of the throne room of God where you come into this incredible scene where there's this massive throne and on it is the, is the presence of God. He is there seated and in front of him is this incredible rainbow that, re, that reminds us of the everlasting covenant and promise God has made. There's a sea of glass. There are these incredibly powerful creatures, these beings, these four living creatures that cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Then there are 24 elders, which I believe represent the people of God, saints from the Old Testament, saints from the New Testament. And they gather around the throne and they lay down these crowns that they had been given at the feet of God and they worship him. And here's the words that they say in Revelation 4, starting verse 9. And it says, and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who's seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. What happens when we participate together? We actually, we actually participate with heaven. I'm not seeking to be existentially weird. I'm wanting to remind you of what is actually true. There is a greater reality than than what we can see and know right now. There is a spiritual reality where God is truly enthroned, that he truly is surrounded by these incredibly powerful beings, that there are people that are laying their crowns before him, continually singing out his praises, and that we actually join them. That our praises and our prayers rise up as a fragrant offering before God. This reminder should should build within us a desire to join in as frequently as we can. It will build and foster a deeper love for the Lord and a deeper desire to worship him. You actually participate with heaven. I know that there's a fear in some of you in this room that you're afraid to pray incorrectly. You don't want to get it wrong. And so for some of you, you've just decided it's better than that I don't. And it prevents you from coming into the very thing that God the Father is wanting you to do, to seek him, but you don't want to do it wrong. There's help and hope for us. Romans 8.26 says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, Even when we do not know what we ought to pray for, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that cannot be expressed. That means that the living God is actually at work in our praying. It's okay. Just pray and know that God is transforming are, uh, even if we are praying wrong, or we're confused, he's with us, helping us. And that should give us confidence that we can seek him and to do this together.
We want a transformed life as a church community. And God will produce transformation in and through us where we can be a blessing to others. And we can proclaim the gospel. And we can find mutual encouragement. But we must move from watching to participating in worship. So I want to spend some time with you walking through some very practical approaches to building worship in your personal life, in your life with, your, with a group of friends, and then when we gather together on a weekend as a church family. Let's look at this. What does this look like for you and for me? What does this look like for me? Well, let's look at worship for, me, for us individually. First of all, you need to find your habit at. I've made that up. God wants us to regularly seek his face. That would be something that would become uh, part of the rhythm of our lives. That it would become habitual. A habit is something in where you dwell. That you go so often that it's become part of your life. It's a habit. That's why uh, monks and nuns wear an article of clothing that's called a habit. Because they are trying to literally put on the clothing of Christ. I don't know if you knew that that's the rationale for that. They're seeking to physically clothe themselves in a habit. So an ongoing practice of worship is not to go and buy a habit, but to make a place, a habitat, a place where you meet with God. It's your habit at. That's all I'm trying to say. Mine is a love seat in our living room with a lamp early in the morning. I want to go there. And when I'm there, I listen to worship. I use the, the mobile reading app. I use a journal to help me journal my thoughts, to make my requests known to God. There's a playlist on the Spotify app. It's called Fellowship Favorites. I encourage you to use it. It's kind of like the top 50 songs that we sing on an ongoing basis that you can incorporate right into your life to keep in an attitude and a mindset of worship. That way you can stay in a dialogue with God. And if you have never tried this, I want to encourage you today to try to stay in an attitude of worship and dialogue with the Lord. That you, that you look outside and you see the changes that are happening in the seasons and you thank the Lord for that. That when you see people at Qdoba or wherever you may go for lunch after, after this time, that you would lift them up in prayer even though you may not know their name. That you're just in an attitude and a mindset of dialogue with the Lord. And if you're doing that, then the most powerful thing you could do with someone, even a stranger, is pray on the spot with people. I have to confess that this is an area of great hypocrisy in my own life where I am well-intentioned to hear the struggles in your life, and then I simply say, as a good pastor should, I will pray for you. And then I watch football. (laughs) And then I go to a kid's soccer game. And then I scramble to get the house ready for small group, and then we have small group, and then... And then I can easily forget... And then I see you again. And there's that twisting. It's like, oh God, lift them up to the Lord. Hey, I've been praying for you. (laughs) So let me give you a way out of hypocrisy and lying. 
And that's to pray on the spot with people. And when I do that, people don't say no. They don't say no. Hey, can I just pray for you? You don't even have to close your eyes. Prayer still works. You don't have to scrape the universe and have all this beautiful prayer language. People don't care. But a guy on Saturday night said he got an email from a coworker that said, pray for me, I'm really struggling. And all he did is he simply wrote back a prayer, sent it. The person came across the cubicles with tears in their eyes and said, you, won't know, you don't know how much that meant to me. Because you prayed in the spot, even digitally. Then there's a way to hide God's word in your heart. I've been using this app. It's called Scripture Typer. And it has interactive ways of how you use your, your keyboard uh, to, to memorize Scripture. And it has helped me re-engage a forgotten practice in my life of memorizing God's word. It's simple, and it gives you badges. <laughs> we love our virtual badges. So that's for you. Maybe those will help. What about if you have a group of friends? If you have a group of friends that you're sharing life with, tell each other what songs are stirring you. Right now, I'm hooked on Crowder's Forgiven. That song is powerful. It's been on repeat. This is a way we can encourage one another. What are the songs that are encouraging you? And then put together a playlist. Not only will it remind you of the person that song represents, but you'll be worshiping. Bring worship into your group. When you gather, maybe you listen to it, or, or heaven forbid that you sing it together. Could be strange, but hey, you'd be biblical. Um, build Thanksgiving into your prayer as a group when you gather. Not just simply listing off your concerns, but what, where have you seen God move in your lives? Telling only God's stories. Only God could do this. Only God could do that. And then for our time together on weekends, this is called corporate worship where we're gathered together. What can build and build up a spirit of participation together? Well, if you would simply prepare by prayer, sometime between cookie and coffees that you would just simply calm your heart and say, God, I believe you have a purpose for me here that I matter to you and I will meet with you. May I be still enough to hear you. Relax. People aren't watching you. Some of you are moved because of the circumstances in your life during times of worship, and you feel like a big old emotional spotlight is just boom. And you feel like everyone's seeing it, and so you're uncomfortable. And the reality is, is no one is watching you. They're experiencing their own interaction with the living God themselves. We don't care what you wear. We don't care what you look like. This is a place where everyone matters to God, where everyone can meet with Him. And no one's watching you. So worship in freedom. And realize that our value when we gather together is, is really that we would participate. We're not here to entertain. We are not here to draw glory and attention to ourselves. So there's no such thing as Christian music, only Christian lyrics. And it's the words that matter. We have a variety of generations in this place, but I will tell you that over 40% of our church is under the age of 19. 
This is a place in a season and time when God is allowing us to reach the hearts of children and students. And so we want to move heaven and earth to do whatever it takes to help this generation understand that they are the church. You are the church. You don't, we're not waiting for you to somehow make a contribution when you're 30. You are the people of God. A part of this body. Reaching people for Christ. Serving in his name. And we want to use this worship experience to draw everyone in to participate. So we change up the style. To engage as many hearts as we can. Now, when you gather here in this place, some of you have found your spot. You've almost claimed it. It's your spot. Uh, People have found their spot next to you also. Acknowledge one another. Now, I know we tease you with this kind of five-second greeting time, which in the terrace is kind of awkward. You're like... But it matters so much that you would acknowledge people. Some of you, this is just life. It's rhythm. It's normal. You come to fellowship on the weekend. It's what you do. Others of you have come to this place and you're hanging on by a thread. You don't know if anyone sees you. You don't even know if God sees you. And yet you have stepped out to come to a place to see if God matters or if you matter to him. You don't realize it, but for many people in this room, life is hanging in the balance. And if you turn and you look at them and you say, hi, this is my name. What is your name? You have no idea the power of acknowledgement in the life of another person. Just acknowledge each other. You share the same spot. Then go eat. (laughs) We all want to be part of a community that would be transformed. That God would use us to be a part of making him known. That we could find encouragement with one another and that we could reach people for Jesus Christ. This will be welled up within us and will be accomplished by God through the power of his Holy Spirit when we worship together. Stop watching and participate. Let me pray for us. Father, uh, we thank you for all that we share. We have the forgiveness of Christ. We have access to to you at any time. We can come to you through, through worship, through prayer, through conversation. God, you have allowed us direct access to you. Lord, we actually participate with the worship that's happening in heaven and that uh, you are receiving glory there and as well as on earth. Lord, we pray that you would well up more of that in us and that we would sing our heart out and that we would worship and engage you away from this place. Father, I pray that for that person here who wonders if, if you see them, God, that they would know that you love them. You love them because you gave 
your son for them. He died on the cross and rose from the dead so that they could know you and have forgiveness of sin and freedom from shame. And God, made it be our common faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who was dead, buried, and is now alive. May he be worshiped forever. Amen.